This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. This show is, in my view, up front, up close, and all in the family. This unique episode of In Conversation will focus on how talent runs in the family. We'll be meeting Elaine Demby, a 70-something chiropractor, longevity specialist, wellness coach, best-selling author, and wait for it, rapper. But first, let's begin with her nephew, Joel Demby, a medal-winning athlete, a Paralympian, a much-sought-after public speaker, and a global advocate for accessibility and inclusion. Welcome to In Conversation, Joel. It's so great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Anne. Great to be here. So back in 2012, you represented Canada at the London Paralympics. We know Team Canada is in action right now in Tokyo. How must they be feeling right now, and how are you feeling about it? Well, it's it's remarkable just to see sports right now in the, in the midst of a pandemic. And when I participated in the London 2012 Paralympics roughly, you know, 10 years ago, I certainly didn't have to face a global pandemic concerns with uh, physical distancing, health concerns. So the extra added layer of the pressure of being an athlete and performing for your country, on top of these restrictions, uh, these athletes are facing things that um, I couldn't even dream of. What is it about sport for you that has made the difference in your life? Well, when I got into sport, it was simply because it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was something that I became really good at because I I worked hard at it. And for a huge portion of my life, almost, you know, 20 years playing, playing wheelchair tennis, it became the defining part of what I did, traveling the world, competing, uh, rinse and repeat. And so when I see other athletes pursuing their own dreams in, in whatever sport, whether it's wheelchair, tennis, basketball, uh, you know, para-athletics, it's something that truly resonates with me, Anne. You know, I love this. As I was reading and researching you and your amazing life so far, I re- understand that baseball was actually your first sport love. Well, yes, my aunt, who you, who you know, Anne, <laughs> used to be a chiropractor for the Toronto Blue Jays. And my, my mom or dad, they weren't too interested in baseball. And it was kind of me who, you know, took up uh, the mantle in terms of really loving baseball and the history. And, I mean, you can recall, you know, when I was, when I was growing up, uh, the Jays were dominant. They were winning World Series. They were in the playoffs. And I thought, hey, why don't I eventually just become the shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays? <laughs> so I would pour over books and stats and go to games with my family. And, and it was such a, a wonderful experience as a, as a child, finding something like baseball that <laughs> at a time when the Jays were really good. And how is it that you moved from baseball to tennis? I was thrown into a number of sports, uh, like many other children uh, do when, when they're growing up. I went from something called Challenger Baseball, which is actually supported by the Toronto Blue Jays, and went into para-ice hockey, I just played everything, and, you know, it, it eventually led to me just simply finding tennis. I quickly identified that 
playing team sports wasn't necessarily something that I was that great at. What I mean by that is when I played para ice hockey and that used to be called sledge hockey. Um, and for those listening who might've seen wheelchair basketball, you know, in order to be a great teammate, you have to learn to pass. I wasn't really good at that. And <laughs> I wanted to dominate every play and be kind of the center of attention. So when I found it, tennis, and I know you, you've played tennis, uh, that's exactly what you get to do. You get to control the ball. You get to control the flow of the, of the sport and, and the way the, the, the point works. It's a fun sport, and I loved doing it on my own. And you do it and did it so well. I know that you were a medal winner at the 2015 Pan Am Games. You were at the London Paralympics. How difficult physically is it to play wheelchair tennis? incredibly difficult and demanding on your body. It was one of the reasons I eventually retired. Just my body started breaking down. Essentially, you're doing three things at once. You're wheeling your wheelchair uh, while holding a tennis racket, while tracking a moving ball and looking at what your opponent is doing. You're, and then hitting and then pivoting. And there's a lot of, a lot of crazy things happening all at once. And I kind of love that. I loved <laughs> how challenging it was and how, uh, you know, how, how many goals I had to set just to eventually get to the point where I could rally back and forth with a hitting partner or, and then eventually learn to serve. It's a demanding sport. And again, you need that eye-hand coordination to track all of those moving parts. But what a wonderful sport and a great sport, um, no matter if you're 8 to 80 or in a wheelchair or able-bodied. It's perfect. And you didn't stop there. You decided to give back. You got your Tennis Canada National Coaching Certification. Not very many people have this. Why did you want that in your life? When I was growing up in a wheelchair, I didn't have too many people around me that looked like me, that were mentors. I mean, in my head, uh, you know, I was reading books about Rick Hansen and Terry Fox and um, watching on the news, your, your friend David Onley. And I didn't have too many people in my close orbit that, again, were, were mentors or looked like me. And my first tennis coach became that mentor. He was in a wheelchair, and I realized how independent he was. He was doing things on his own. He looked a little bit like Andre Agassi in the, in the, <laughs> in the 1980s with the long hair, but he, he was incredible, and he devoted a lot of time just being a great mentor to me, and, and I certainly wanted to follow um, him. And that's one of the main reasons. I think it's really important to give back. And as a wheelchair tennis coach, it's really nice coaching the next generation of wheelchair athletes. Um, and if, you know, what, what, what's the point of doing 20 years of tennis if you um, can't stay involved in the sport somehow? You also have expanded your reach. And when it comes to mentoring, you're part of the RBC reach, if you will. What is that? Yeah, at RBC you know, like any major organization, there are a number of employees with disabilities. And one of the great things about um, pretty much all of the banks is that we have something called ERGs, which are employee resource groups. I remember when I first went to high school and it was intense, it was overwhelming. And I think for many employees, when they join a company, it can be a bit overwhelming. And when you have a disability, it can be even more overwhelming trying to be your authentic self. 
So when you are able to meet other employees at RBC with disabilities, it's huge. And it's one of the main reasons uh, I got involved is just to create that sense of belonging and, you know, mentor other colleagues who may have uh, a disability, whether it's invisible or visible. You were born with a spinal tumor on your spine. Doctors removed it successfully, but, and there was a big but. What was the but in this, in this procedure? Well, after the procedure, you know, there's a lot of moving parts when you're only a few days old. So no one really knew if the surgery would have an impact to my spine. But it eventually developed into a scoliosis. And at age five, I got my first wheelchair because I only have partial feeling in my leg. So um, while I'm able to stand for very short periods of time with assistance, getting from point A to point B um, became increasingly important as I grew up. So I began to rely on a wheelchair more and more. And essentially, I spend 95% of my day in a wheelchair. So I've been in a wheelchair for over 30 years now, Anne. Wow. You know, you talk a lot about independence when you are out speaking as a public speaker, a keynote speaker, when you're dealing with, uh, uh, with accessibility and inclusion issues. Why is independence so important? And what, what does that word mean to you? Well, I've lived it. You know, for many years, uh, when you're when you're growing up, you tend to, as a kid to rely on your parents for um, things like you know laundry or making lunch for school. But when you're in a wheelchair and or you have any other type of disability, you eventually have to learn to do things on your own. Because let's be honest, mom or mom and dad, or or quite honestly, your caregiver they won't be around forever. And in order for you to truly live, uh, you, you know, your own life, you need to learn to take charge. And I've identified throughout my life folks who had to take that leap, who literally moved away from home and had to just figure out how to do laundry or how to do um, all those remedial tasks, including honestly driving, getting gas. And one of the most important things that I ever did was leave home at the age of 18, 19, go off to university. It's such a common thing for kids to move to res, uh, residence and go off to university. But when you have a disability, it's super scary. And I had to learn to fail. I had to learn to just do things on my own because eventually I wanted a career. I wanted uh, you know, to get married. I wanted to have everything that, my, that anyone who um, is able-bodied would expect to have. And I think the only way I could do that was to learn to simply do things on my own. Things might take a little bit longer on occasion for, for me to do, whether it's getting my wheelchair in my vehicle, you know, getting around Toronto, <laughs> taking the <laughs> transit system or navigating the path. But I'd rather rely on myself to do those things because there's a feeling of empowerment. And to me, independence is empowerment. And that's probably the most valuable tool you can have when you have a disability. You're a patron. You're an ambassador for many different organizations, including the Rick Hansen Foundation. And I know that their purpose is to make this world more accessible and more inclusive. How are you getting that message out? Well, I think we've moved, you know, in the 1980s, early 1990s, you know, in essence, when you looked at disability, it was all about, let's find a cure. Let's make, you know, so-and-so walk again. But what we in the organization at the Rick Hansen Foundation, and really I've come to believe that if everything's accessible, if we remove 
all barriers to inclusion, whether it's getting in and out of a restaurant, finding a wheelchair accessible bathroom, you know, navigating the workplace. If everything's accessible, it doesn't matter if you walk or not. It doesn't matter what mobility device you use. What matters is that the built environment around us should be accessible. And really, that's what we've been advocating for at the foundation. And uh, likewise, that's something that I've been really addressing, uh, not just here in Canada, but around the world. I've been to every continent because of my time as a wheelchair tennis athlete. And one of the biggest gaps that I find and, and why many countries, including Canada, face an unemployment crisis among those with disabilities is simply due to inaccessibility of our communities. And right now we're in the midst of a housing affordability crisis uh, across Canada. Imagine trying to find an accessible home <laughs> on top of finding a job uh, that, that is equitable. Imagine doing all of those things when you have a disability. It shouldn't be that way. And, and I think that's one of the things that I'd really love to address as part of the Recantment Foundation. Your life right now, you're in your 30s, you're hardworking, you're fit, you're fabulous. What's going on in your life right now? Well, I like doing a bunch of creative stuff lately. <laughs> and um, I started uh, acting, if you can believe it. And it happened on a whim earlier this summer. Uh, they filmed The Handmaid's Tale just outside my neighborhood. And I ended up putting out a social media post sort of saying, hey, how do you become a random background actor in one of these <laughs> <Great>. shows? Um, <laughs> an agent reached out to me, and I signed on with his agency, and I've already filmed three commercials over the summer. It's been pretty fun. <laughs> fantastic. And before we go, we're going to meet Elaine Demby next, your aunt. What does she mean to you? What has she given you in terms of life lessons? She is a bundle of positivity, and you know Aunt Elaine <laughs> for, uh, for who she is, and really, she is a constant motivator. I mean, for many years, she was an athlete. She was a marathon runner. She was someone who wasn't afraid to put herself out there, and I think um, no matter her age, she's, she's been the same person, um, and I've known her, uh, you know, to be someone who's caring, who's um, always been in my corner and always encouraging me to do big things. And I think that's the Aunt Elaine I know and love. When we come back, Joel's Aunt Elaine Demby, chiropractor, best-selling author, longevity specialist, and rapper. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back. Joel, would you do the honors right now and introduce your aunt to everyone in conversation? So take it away, Joel. Absolutely, Ann. Uh, for our next guest, I'd like to introduce my aunt, Dr. Elaine Demby. Uh, she's written two best-selling books. She's a chiropractor. She's a cheerleader for life. And by the way, she's a rapper, too. This bliss was a catalyst for what I'd long been visualizing. For some, 25 years in the waiting. Me, a month anticipating. Would it happen? Could it happen? Got this septuagenarian rap. Well, that was Joel Demby's aunt, Elaine Demby, and she joins us now in conversation. Elaine, welcome, and boy, are you a great rapper. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. <laughs> 
so good to talk with you. And you as well. Now, where did that come from? Where where in you was this idea that, that you wanted to be a rapper? Well, it was, it's, it's really come from a creative side of me. I love writing poetry and I was doing a lot of running and had a lot of time to think and I realized that my poems in my head to while away the, the mileage had a beat. And I thought, hey, this is not a poem, this is a rap song. And there you go, I just started writing rap. I love it. And when I watch the video, and if people want to go to YouTube to find that video, uh, how would they find it? What is it under so that people can actually see it and hear it? It's under Dr. EDC Music. Perfect. Elaine Demby Chiropractor. That's EDC. And they could also type in Rhapsody in the six, but it's R-A-P-S-O-D-Y, no H. Excellent. And it's a tribute to the Raptors. But here's what I love. Part of that video, you allow for the word septuagenarian to be put across the screen. You are proud to be in your 70s. Yes, and I love that word. I'm a septuagenarian. (laughs) (laughs) By three years, I, my birthday was just a, a week and a half ago, and uh, I'm now 73 chronologically, but not biologically, and there's a big difference. Sure is, and you are a chiropractor. You've been at it for 44 years, and I understand that you spent some time as the chiropractor for the Toronto Blue Jays. I did in the 80s. There were no chiropractors on staff, and the team needed some help mechanically and functionally, and I just got on the phone after hearing that Ernie Witt strained his back, and the next thing you know, I'm treating Ernie, and I helped him, and then um, the whole team started coming to see me. Now, they have chiropractors traveling with the team. So it was very different in the 80s, but it was so much fun. And your chiropractic practice over many decades, you know, you've got the technology down pat, but you also infuse life coaching, your own knowledge, your own longevity, you know, specialty, which is really at the heart of what you do, but you also throw some intuition into it. Yes. So, When you graduate, you learn the importance of being able to diagnose and treat and help patients. But with the passage of time, it didn't take me long to realize that there's a huge mind-body connection. And when someone comes in with pain, I like to determine, is it stress-related? Was it a strain? What, What is the root cause? And often the body arranges a pain seriously to to make a stop and make a change in one's life. So I went back to school to become a life coach so that I could really focus on well-being, not just treating patients with their aches and pains. And out of all of this experience emerged an author and a best-selling author at that, Passionate Longevity, The Ten Secrets to Growing Younger, and two versions of Use the Good Dishes. I love it. And your information is crisp and clear, and it helps people of any age at any stage in their lives look forward. Exactly. And my newest book, which I sat down, chained to the kitchen (laughs) 
Island during the pandemic when everything was shut down in March 2020. In 10 weeks, I wrote and updated my second book to use the good dishes no matter what life serves up because this pandemic has been a psychological stress test for us all. And I wanted to help individuals understand the importance of resilience and how to bounce back and change your mindset when faced with adversity and most of all uncertainty. And that's what life is right now. But it also was your life a while ago. You and I have known each other for decades. You were my my treasured guest on breakfast television. You were my chiropractor as well. There was a time when, if I may be very personal, your marriage imploded when your husband left you for your best friend. You had several attempts at relationships. You gave it the old college try, the old Elaine Demby try. You finally <laughs> found you found your soulmate. In fact, he's in the rap video. That yes, you, you must is. you must have used your good dishes a lot when it came to courting him. <laughs> And you know my whole history. I don't have any secrets from you <laughs> not at from, all. <laughs> not from me and not from our uh, beloved listeners. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, you know, it's, it's, I really think that there's a lot of synchronicity out there. And I just, I met my husband at 65 and my late brother introduced us. And it has been a wonderful relationship. We've been married for just over three years. We've known each other for seven. And we're perfectly aligned. The key for a great relationship are shared values. That is, the most important values to you are shared by the other person. And also, good communication and laughing and having fun. How do you help people who are struggling either with pain and the chiropractor in you comes out or with emotional distress because of what's going on in their lives or the pandemic or just the very fact that so many of us are growing older and we are facing old age? How do you help? Well, the, the first thing that I teach patients and my audience when I speak or, or uh, anyone that I, I am face-to-face with, I teach them how important it is to get out of fight or flight because it's so easy to get sort of sucked into a negative mindset rabbit hole and the brain doesn't know the difference between real things going on and just our anxiety and fear of the future. So as soon as we start feeling um, anxious or worried or stressed, we go into what's called the fight or flight system. We don't sleep, our food isn't being digested, the immune system is not being supercharged and cortisol, the stress hormone, is activated. So what I teach people is how to switch into the regenerative, restorative, parasympathetic system where all healing takes place and where we feel calm. And and when we come from a calm foundation, we can then look at how we are thinking and how 
realistic our thoughts are and and find small ways to stay in the present when you when you think uh, too much into the future it it's it's like um, it, it triggers a lot of uh, negative feelings and you, you can't really focus or think properly so we all have the ability to what I call bring happy back <laughs> and um, and that's and that's what I recommend and and how you switch there are many ways to get from the fight or flight into the relaxation system but one of them and I, I challenge every listener to Google humming bee breathing oh. and you and I have not talked about this but people who hum or who sing you can stimulate the vagus nerve that governs the entire relaxation system. Can you give me and an example of that? Can you actually hum or sing in a way that stimulates that? What you do, if, if you Google humming bee breathing, what I teach patients to do is you close your ears, so you take your fingers and just pinch off your ears, and you take in a breath, and you close your mouth, and, and what you do, it sounds like this. In other words, you hum, but what you're really doing is exhaling for about 10 to 15 seconds. Mm. And you are stimulating the vagus nerve, V-A-G-U-S, that is the master control system that sends a message to the brain, oh, I'm humming. I don't, I'm not stressed, and you start feeling a sense of calm. So anything to do with breathing, whether it's diaphragmatic breathing or humming or singing, will stimulate the vagus nerve, and you'll feel better, you'll feel calmer, and whatever was bothering you, it's like a wave, you know, it just passes. I'm going to try it. Before we say goodbye, Joel Demby, your nephew, said incredible things about you, including that you've been a great influence on his life and that you are a cheerleader for life. How would you describe Joel? Oh, Joel, I love that question, Ann. He is, he has, he is an inspirational role model for everyone who has the privilege of knowing knowing him he's funny he's 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 just to me he's a beacon of light and energy i just adore him hmm. a bit and it's mutual i hear from him as well Elaine Demby, top-notch chiropractor, motivational speaker, wellness coach, longevity specialist, best-selling author and rapper. Thank you for joining us in conversation, Elaine. And thank you so very much for having me. This has been a delight for me. Thank you. And for me as well. Thanks. The Dembys, Elaine and Joel, aunt and nephew, proof positive, a family that excels together, stays together. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.